0: Hello, welcome to episode 178 of the Pure Hotel Marketing Podcast. I'm your host Stuart Butler, and I'm joined today with Pete
1: DiMeo. Hello, hello, hello out there!
0: You've only said hello to three of our audience members. You're going to have hello, to say hello, it to-
1: hello, 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 hello,
0: hello. Alright, we'll just pretend you what? did that for like another ten bazillion yeah. times.
1: In this episode, Pete says hello to everybody,
0: and we're also joined with Bill Fariska. Welcome back,
2: all you honorary fuel agains.
0: See, that's how you do it, Pete. You just you just generically talk to all of them at once. You don't address them individually. Yeah. This okay. isn't clubhouse. Come on.
1: I'll try again.
0: Okay and rounding out the fuligan crew today is Melissa Cavanaugh
3: Howdy hello
0: Melissa this is this is another Melissa episode our audience gets excited because they know it's going to be packed full of data and metrics and all kinds of fun analytical things
3: Or they run away and just fast forward to the next episode
0: <laughs> Maybe but let's hope not Hmm. So you want—that's not what the data shows. It isn't. You're exactly right. The, the, the analytics would suggest that people like the analytics. Uh, you want to give us a little tease of what you what we're talking about today, Melissa?
3: Well, we are talking about Google Analytics goals for hotel websites, uh, and it is not called. You should have more goals set up in Google Analytics. At least twenty of them. That is not the title of this. <laughs> It is yeah. just the three most important Google Analytics goals.
0: Okay. We'll dig into those. Sounds like it's going to be a shortish episode, huh, Melissa?
3: And they should take no more than five minutes.
0: Okay. I'm thinking an hour into this, we might we might have to apologize. <laughs> hey, but before we do that, I do have a little bit of housekeeping. We So we made a snafu. We've been reading out reviews from the wonderful audience members as they come in. But lo and behold, someone pointed out to us that we only see the. We're based in the U.S. and we only see the U.S. reviews. We don't see them from other countries. So we've been tinkering around with some uh, with the URL string uh, on the Apple Podcast feed, and we can actually see other reviews now. Of course, we're five star wherever we look, but we do have some wonderful write-in. So if you're from a, a foreign land and you've been writing in reviews and wondering why we haven't read them out on the show, that is why. We're going to start to rectify that today. A reading one of the first international reviews. We need a jingle, Pete. International reviews jingle. Go for it.
1: Uh, international reviews are right now. <laughs> I don't know. That's horrible. <laughs> uh, that works. Hopefully, the review I was, was better than the jingle. But you know, I, I think we do need to apologize because we had 12 reviews on app or podcast.apple.com slash GB. And that's actually pretty hard to find here in the States. So so we apologize to everybody. But you know who specifically I want to apologize to? Who's that? Golden Balls T. Because he said, and this is a serious pod, uh, podcast with Crack. Is that how you say that, Stuart? Sure, go for it. All right. As the owner of the only motel in Northern Ireland, I love listening to these guys. It's fun to hear Pete say, how's it going? Or... What about you? With a <laughs> Northern <laughs> Ireland accent. <laughs>
3: <laughs> your best day of Fresh, fashion.
1: informative, and topical, especially during the COVID-19. Keep up the good work and hope, you st- you hope to see you in Northern Ireland soon for a Way Day podcast. Yeah, That's from s- Terry in Inskin, Inskin, Northern Ireland. And I looked that up because I actually dated a girl in Derry, and they're about an hour and a half away from each other.
0: How about that? Yeah. <sighs> Small world. Well, you should so have read I that probably, whole review in, in the Northern Island or the Southern Island accent. You are blending the two right there. So it was kind of <laughs> interesting. It was
1: a little Australian. I always like to throw that into.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, good job. But
1: anyway, so I apologize for, for butchering your beautiful language and I apologize for not reading your your feedback until today because you left that for us in October of last year. Wow.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of those. So we'll, we'll be sprinkling those in. But if you, if you want to go ahead and leave a review, that would really help us. It helps other people find the show and... Spread the love as well, so we would really, really appreciate it. Um, but let's keep moving on with the show, shall we? Let's pretend that never happened that travesty of a jingle and an accent and and a snafu or this trifecta of um of mishaps, I guess. But this is not going to be a mishap, I know for sure. As we go and see what's going on in the news, a ruse,
1: all right. Well, since I already took a stab at a jingle, we'll just jump right in. No, cool everybody. Balls unacceptable all right no no complaints so i'm gonna jump right in <laughs> anyway so Gosh, this news mutiny, comes mutiny. to us from TechCrunch, and this, the headline is google slapped whoa,
0: whoa 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 what this is a mutiny i'm sorry you can't do this all to the audience
1: all right with hotel marketing that cannot lose now it's time for news a
0: thank you All is riding You're the world again
1: all right so anyway, like I said, this comes to us from TechCrunch, and the headline is Google slapped in France over misleading hotel star rankings. So this is a really interesting one, but more or less, the, the summary is Google had to pay a 1.1 million euro fine for misleading star rankings for hotels specifically in France. And why that happened is it's it's an interesting international issue where Google has its own rankings for hotels specifically that factor in user rankings, hotel amenities, and all the other things that go along with the accommodations industry, and they assign a star ranking. However, Altuit France, who is the tourist board who assigns star rankings specifically in France, had conflicting data. So they may rank a property, a five-star property. Google may rank it a four. In this case, Google was ranking properties four and five stars when, according to France's authority, was ranking it a three or a four. So tourists would show up, and they would be dissatisfied with the level of service that was offered by the property, thinking it was a five-star, according to Google. However, from France's ranking metrics, it would only be like a four or even a three. So so Google ended up having to pay a, a hefty fine to, to make this problem go away. But it, it does raise a really interesting question from my perspective of, you know, their perspective was we own the term five stars and how we rank stars on a one to five scale. That is such a universal ranking metric that it's hard to, in my mind, put ownership of that on any you know one entity so so that's kind of what happened but uh, I thought that was pretty interesting
2: yeah so I was looking at this uh, they pay a 1.1 million euro fine and it's applied to 7500 establishments so each establishment gets uh, about 150 euros because of this
1: that's uh, not that's not how class actions work Phil they all get a dollar <laughs> gift card to <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> to red lobster and the yeah. Autot France gets 1.0 uh, million lira or euro fine. Yeah, that sounds about right.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's always confusing to consumers. I think us being in the industry, we we know the difference between like a star rating in, in the traditional sense, uh, and and a consumer review rating, and I don't think every consumer really can can discern the difference between those two. So. There's a reason TripAdvisor yeah. doesn't use stars. It uses circles. You know? mm-hmm.
1: But with that being said, is that Google's fault? You know, I'm very happy to point the finger at Google more often than not. But I feel like in this case, they probably figured it was cheaper to pay the fine than even calling attor- their attorneys over this one. But yeah, I don't know.
0: I'd agree. I don't know. I haven't read the case itself. I haven't read the actual lawsuit or or the outcome, whether it was settled or whether it was they were found guilty and it was fine or what. But yeah, I mean, it's nothing. It's pittance to Google. It's it's not yeah. even a slap on the wrist. It's a tap on the finger. So yeah, they made it, it, it really reaction. is.
1: It really is a a misunderstanding. I don't think that there was any malfeasance on Google's part at all. It's just as you start crossing these international boundaries, you're going to run into issues where this is someone's turf for star rankings or whatever it might be. And I think it's the cost of doing business from their perspective.
0: It's a good old-fashioned shakedown. That's all it was. I'm just kidding. Allegedly. Don't sue me, France. Thanks. <laughs> all right, Melissa. Let's Let's hear what you got. Set it up for us.
3: All right. So, We've been doing this for, you know, a day or two, helping hotels out and looking at analytics, like, I don't know, maybe 15 years or so. And in those 15 years of doing this job, it's safe to say I've come across a lot of stuff and some of it I have to shake my head at and wonder what's going on here. And it's evident to me that a lot of hotels or hotel marketers really maybe don't understand the importance and the best way of setting up conversion goals in Google analytics. For example, I have literally seen, and I wish I was making this up more than once. I have seen visits set up as a goal. I have seen page views set up as a goal. I i don't even, I can't even fathom what was going through somebody's head when, when this happened. So we are going to talk about three, just three. You only have to pay attention to three things today. Keeping this super confined, three things is what you need to pay attention to today. How about that?
0: I, I like it.
3: So, goals. That they're they're important, and you may say, "But Melissa, I, I'm a hotel. Like I have one goal. I need to book hotel rooms." And Google Analytics, theoretically, is already set up to show me how much money my website is making me. And hopefully that that is true. But there are other things you should be looking at in addition to those e-commerce uh, transactions and everything that goes along with them. So I do want to talk about first, again, what you don't want to do. Because I'm not saying that more goals is better. That is false. As a matter of fact, like I said, setting up visits or page views or some other superfluous goal just muddies up your data and makes a mess for the poor person who has to sit there and sit through it and try and make heads or tails out of why it's there and something meaningful from it. Something clarify, else- that,
1: that person is Melissa. <laughs> <laughs>
3: The other thing, aside from these random goals that I see that people do with good intention, but it's just the wrong way about doing it, is that they're trying to track a behavior on a website. For example, they want to know how much a particular element is clicked, like the book now button or a particular image on a website or the hero image or or a promo panel or something like that. And I see that set up as a goal. And that's really not a goal. You don't want to see a conversion rate of people who clicked a promo panel. What you want to see, yes, maybe you do want to see how many times that's getting used, and you should do that with event tracking, not with conversion goals. So that's my rule of the day.
0: So break that down a little bit for folks that are kind of new to... Google Analytics or, or still trying to figure it out like the the difference between an event and a goal. So an event is is an action that someone took basically. So like they clicked on something specific or interacted somehow with you know some element company. within on the site. That that's an event. And you can have is, are you limited to the number of events you can have within you GA? You can
3: have unlimited events.
0: Oh, I like unlimited events. So all the little inter- Interactions and if you're running A B tests and things like that, events is probably the way to go related to interactions of, of things. So, a goal is something a little meatier, right? It, it's an achievement, okay. it's something that you want them to accomplish um, more often. And so, that, that would be a goal. So, let's and dig it's into Something
3: that you'd want to see by various types of dimensions, such as traffic source, landing page a uh, device type, things like that. It's much harder to do that on an event level. So also putting that
0: out. Gotcha. So for example, if, if it was how many people um, scrolled over an image as an, uh, like the, interacted somehow, you you don't necessarily need to see whether that was people coming organically or through a specific campaign or something like that. You just need to know, is, is are people interacting with that more or less based on the changes you've made at some per- point?
3: precisely yeah precisely.
0: so precisely indubitably
3: all right are we ready to get into the meat of this yeah all right so number one
0: oh can i ask a question i know no. you, i haven't well sorry i'm gonna anyway <laughs> um you wrote a blog post about this and we haven't even kind of told people where to go and follow along at home oh. um so if you go to fueltravel.com podcast and click on episode 178 there's going to be show notes there, but there's also going to be a link to a more in-depth blog post where Melissa kind of breaks this down more step by step. And and I'm assuming there's screenshots and things yes. in there to point that out. Melissa, yes. I haven't read it yet. So I, I just I know you well enough to know how thorough you are. So, yeah, if you really want to see where this stuff is that we're talking about and how to get to it in your GA account, go check out the, the blog post, which is linked to from the show notes.
3: Yes.
2: Thanks. Thank you.
3: Mm-hmm. all right so number one highly debatable and some people may think I'm a little bit out of my mind when I tell you what this one is and that is to set up a goal for bookings what why would you <laughs> set up a goal for bookings when you're already tracking bookings we have do- conversions
0: yeah. right we have the revenue why do we need this Melissa
3: I'm so glad you asked Stuart <laughs> By setting up a goal for your bookings, it gives you the ability to then create a funnel visualization that you may not have available to you because your booking engine sucks. <laughs> <laughs>
0: she had to get it in there. It's once I an have, episode. You know, I had to get it in there. Yeah.
3: You may be lucky in that maybe you are using one of the few booking engines that does enable enhanced e-commerce tracking in Google Analytics. And you could actually see in your enhanced e-commerce reports a funnel where you're looking at a, quote, unquote, a shopping cart or a shopping funnel. But I'm going to put it out there that probably more people than not listening to this right now don't have the ability to do that. So what I recommend is setting up a goal where you then can create a funnel, which would show you the number of people that entered your booking engine, made it to the payment page, and then actually booked a room. And you can see the fallout of each one of those steps if you set up your conversion funnel properly from this goal.
0: What? Mind, Mind. blown. That's amazing. Right. hmm
3: so if you go to the full blog post, you will see a very lovely example of a funnel that has been set up for a hotel and you can see if people are exiting, you know, the funnel where they're going on the website and all those things. And then the conversion from each step through the process and the conversion rate of the whole funnel. So from search to finish, what was that conversion rate? Mm-hmm. Boom
2: this yeah. This visualization that Melissa is talking about is the best way that I've ever seen when when you're looking at changes we've made on the booking engine um, or to get to the booking engine to say, "Did the change we make result in what we were trying to accomplish, Yes or no?" And then you can kind of revert changes from there or apply changes you know even even further. But this visualization is the best. Go check it out on the blog post. You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. It's Phil for Visca approved.
3: <laughs> now, if you want to set up a uh, a funnel and a goal, more than likely, and this again is broken out in the full blog post. But in order to do this, you're more than likely going to be using the destination type goal where you're going to be putting in some part of the URL of your booking engine for each one of these steps. It may take a little trial and error because you may have a really crappy booking engine that passes 4,000 variables in the URL and you've got to find the right part of the URL that specifies this was the room search results and this was the payment page. And also, this is actually the confirmation page. You're going to have to find that part of the URL to put into all of those spots, so that's how you're going to do that.
0: Sure, would be great if there was a booking engine where you didn't have to do all that; that it automatically did it for you, because they set it up originally to make it easy for analytics conversion tracking.
3: Boy, it sure would. Sure would.
0: Hmm. Phil, Pete, do you know of any? Uh, I know I one. the
1: fuel booking engine is pretty snazzy.
0: The fuel fuels booking engine is pretty
1: good. Okay. Yeah,
3: we
0: should check good. that out. Is, is that is that certified, authentic by Phil as well? Is it approved? Phil Frisco it approved? Is,
2: it is the official booking engine of my approvals. Oh, wow. It should be the <laughs> official booking engine of this podcast too, really. There you go. Zach.
1: It'll get you more smiles per mile than any other booking engine out there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're nothing if you're not cheesy, Pete. I love it.
1: <laughs> Thank you very much.
0: You're welcome. All right, Melissa. Sorry so, for too- the reading
3: One other reason to set up a booking goal is because it can also work as checks and balances for your e-commerce tracking. And let me just tell you that I'm reminded of one of my very old, 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 and I actually mean by age, clients, who one day said to me in the lobby of Fuel, Melissa, sometimes things just don't work. (laughs) And that is true. Sometimes things break for no apparent reason. You don't know why, but sometimes things don't work. And just having this checks and balances to say, okay, here's what my revenue is showing. Here's what my e-commerce bookings say. And then here's what my goal says. Are they pretty darn close? Yes. Great. That is awesome. Let's move on with life.
0: And we we had an issue recently with a client where that was the case where there was certain, um, code wasn't getting triggered on the confirmation page every time or, or someone was refreshing it and it was was creating quite a snafu that had you not had this set up, it would have been hard to diagnose the problem. So, Yes. Yeah. E- even we, even the great fuel and their yep. official booking engine, the fuel booking engine, even sometimes have snafus because, you know, you put third party code on things and sometimes yep. it gets wonky. So. Always good to have a check and balance.
3: Sometimes things get wonky. Mm -hmm. Also going on my tombstone.
2: I was just about to say that. Is that (laughs) going to be on your tombstone (laughs) as well?
3: I am going to have, I'm going to go into the the, the world record history of biggest tombstones. That's my (laughs) goal. I
1: always envision it being said at your uh, funeral pile as we push you out like Viking style on the (laughs) boat of burning buttons. (laughs)
3: <laughs> oh my god that is so perfect pete nice death goals fantastic yeah
0: did you set up your google analytics death goals
3: <laughs> okay we're moving on to the next yeah. number
0: well we said it was gonna be a short episode we lied we're gonna derail it every five minutes so that it stretches it to an hour
3: are we ready to go on to number two? Now, Stuart's gonna fight me on this one.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Number two for me is a goal that tracks entrances to the booking engine.
1: Discuss. Discuss. <laughs> I'm in Melissa's corner on this one. Right, I agree. Well state your case like and
0: then I'll, I'll My state case mine.
3: is that not all traffic is created equally. Mm-hmm. And by having this specific goal that you can quickly see in a Google Analytics report, which also, if you go to the full blog post, you can see an example of this, is it's such a time saver from somebody like me who has to analyze the data so that you can see what sources of traffic or landing page or device type or fill in you know, a thousand other dimensions. What, what's getting people to the booking engine versus what's Mm -hmm. not. And once you figure that out, these are never, this is never an end statement. It's then what's next. Why is this happening? And what can I do about it? Or what should I not do about it? Because this is maybe projected behavior from this type of traffic.
0: Okay. I hear you. I don't disagree with you, but I see the world slightly different. Like to me, it's better to have the goal being the the conversion, the booking, and having this as one of the steps in the conversion funnel. And, and the reason I say that is, you know, generally speaking, we assume that if we get more people from step one to step two in a funnel, we did a better job. But there's, there's, there's situations out there where sometimes that's not the case. Sometimes, you know, you can end up with more bookings even though fewer people got to the second step by qualifying people, you know, in flip Two's discovery platform is a great example of that. You know, what they do is they install the, um, an introduction at the beginning of the booking process. So rather than someone just jumping straight into entering dates, they'll ask them when they're thinking of staying like a, a, a season or this weekend or something like that. And then they'll ask them for an email address. And what we've seen is the people, that bail at that point is greater than the people that would bail typically, but ultimately they end up with more bookings. And so, you know, I I think you could argue that knowing whether or not people get to the booking engine doesn't really give you the full picture of whether or not they're a qualified person in the first place. So that's that's why I see it a little different. I hear you. (laughs) And I raise you 20. I'm
3: going to counter that offer. Okay. In the example that you just provided, all things are created equal. All sources are created equally. If you're on the front end of the site, no matter what source you came from, you're going to be served this, you know, intermediary step Mm -hmm. that will or will not prevent you from going forward. So it's still apples to apples looking at conversion rate of getting people into the booking engine.
0: Yeah, but just because you get more people that ultimately aren't going to book or are going to book through one step
2: doesn't necessarily make a difference.
0: Um,
2: But I like to look at this more by when we're breaking it down by channel. So what channel is getting people to the booking engine better than another? What can we do from, you know, say, you know, Paid search is getting people to the booking engine more often than organic search. Well, okay, what can we learn from where we're sending people on paid search that we can then apply to where people land from organic search? Or how do we push that person, you know, what's our what's our top organic landing page? How do we get them closer to the page that we know is converting well on paid search? So I, I think we can, we can use this entering the booking engine channel by channel, Uh, to help us and in different areas.
0: Yeah, I I get it. But I also think we're still not seeing the full picture if we're only looking at that one conversion metric, right? So I'll give you an example.
1: But keep in mind the goals are somewhat siloed in terms of did person accomplish X or not? You know, we have a lot of clients who have more complex properties. You know, in one example they are a golf packager and if you talk to the people at the phone In the phones group, almost half of the calls they get are customer service calls versus reservation calls. And it's the same way on the website many times where you have someone going to the website who may have already made a booking and are going through that process. To me, this is a great way to kind of segregate people who are on the customer service journey or very early in the booking process versus the people who get to actually into the booking engine. And then I can optimize moving people from the website front end into the booking engine process and from the booking process into the conversion.
0: Yeah. So let me give you an example where, where I think it may fall apart a little bit. So say I had some ads running on um, cheap, cheap hotels.com. Okay. Or maybe it's cheap, 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 cheap hotels.com. And you know, I said, and I'm running a, a campaign there and it sends me a bunch of traffic and almost everyone that comes from that site enters my booking engine. If I'm just looking at, in isolation at that goal, that's yes. going to tell me that that's a phenomenal thing and I should keep doing it. And, and so my argument is, well, you have to look at the in conjunction with the yes. ultimate goal, right? That is, is a amazing. great
3: segue, Stuart. Mm. <laughs> because this isn't a one-step thing. There is a part two of this.
0: Oh, I felt like you you duped me here. I feel like I'm in a courtroom and you just threw, you brought up some magical imaginary new um, person that's gonna rip yeah. me apart. Yeah.
1: Did you think? Did you think Melissa Caveat would have anything less?
0: No, I should have known.
3: So, in both the podcast notes and the full blog post, you will see yet another awesome graph of things because step two of this is that I also recommend coupling this with setting up a segment of these same people. So you have a segment of people who got to the booking engine. And when you apply that segment to your you know channel grouping report, now you can see a conversion rate of people who got to the booking engine and how well they converted. And then you have a full picture. You have a before and an after.
0: So you duped um, me. You duped me. You were acting like this this goal metric was all that mattered. It was the be all end all. And it wasn't. So I agree with you 100%.
3: So, yes, a hundred. nothing, first of all, Nothing ever in analytics should ever be a standalone thing,
0: except ever. for bounce rate, because that yes. is is the best metric that's ever existed.
3: <laughs> yeah, if you just look at that, you can just go home for the day. You're good. Yeah,
0: once you know your bounce rate, I mean, nothing else matters. So, so I mean, that tells you all you need to know about every consumer ever. Yeah. Not, not there's no misinterpreting that number. Not at all. No.
3: We are totally derailing this conversation. Yes. Anywho, my point is that, yes, you first you have your, your goal of people who got into the booking engine, you create a segment of those people, and then you can see what they did before and after. So in the example, again, go see the full blog post, but in the example that I'm showing, I'm actually, you can actually see organic search versus paid search, their conversion rate getting into the booking engine is pretty darn close. It's off by less than a percentage point. But then you see that paid search has a much better conversion rate once they hit the booking engine. So the question then goes, you don't just say, oh, well, that's great. I go home now.
2: Melissa, can I derail you one more time? No. (laughs) So, doesn't this change in terms of attribution models associated with paid search and what's being used in Google Analytics?
3: So, what is used in Google Analytics in this report that we're looking at is last click. It's last click for all, um, what's called all channels. All channels. So, these this is apples to apples to apples to apples to apples comparison on the same track. I just
2: know you're setting me up to get all these questions on how come the number of transactions doesn't match.
3: Oh, well, that's, that's a whole other podcast episode. <laughs> Let's not go there.
2: Okay. So
3: there you go. That's step number two. How about that? That was goal number two.
0: Hey, boys. Boys. What? I, I wouldn't mess with Melissa today. I feel like she's got her grumpy shoes on. <laughs>
3: I'm in a perfectly good mood. I'm talking <laughs> about analytics. I got a big smile on my face right now.
0: Just don't interrupt you, fellas. Uh, I continue.
3: All right. Ready for number <laughs> three?
0: <30.
3: laughs> nobody's going to argue with me on this one. Okay. I don't think. Maybe you'll prove me wrong. Number three is tracking all form submissions. Which means whether it's an email sign up, a contact form, a wedding RFP, some other kind of RFP, whatever kind of form you have on your website, clearly it is there, hopefully, for a purpose. And therefore, it has value. And you want to be able to measure how well it's doing, again, by source, by all the random dimensions that you can break that down by. So, you want to track each one of those forms. Has its own goal. Now, the fun part about forms is you never know on any random website how the form is set up and where it goes after you complete it. Sometimes, as a person who is responsible for setting up the analytics, you get lucky and it goes to a thank you page. This is rare though, a lot of times you fill out a form, it stays on the same URL and you have to do all kinds of magic to now track it. But for right now, let's just say you have a thank you page. So if you have a thank you page for your form, you would use the quote unquote destination type goal. And again, there is a a screenshot of this setup in the full blog post. Um, where you would put the equals to and whatever the URL is right into the little box. And if you want to get super fancy, you can create a funnel for your form. And then you can see the conversion rate of people who viewed your form versus completed the form. How about that? (laughs) You're scaring me.
0: Yeah. But this
3: only happens if, again, this is only available if you have a thank you page. So you fill out thank you URL, and then you complete the little funnel part at the bottom that would basically be whatever the the first page is, like contact us is the the form where the form lives, and then slash thank you is where it goes to. So you fill out those two things, and now you have a contact us form completion funnel that you can actually look at.
0: Magic. Uh, That's pretty sick. So if I don't have a thank you page
3: then you have lots of things to consider. Mm
2: -hmm. Melissa will shake her fist at you.
3: (laughs) No, I won't. Because honestly, I I have mixed feelings about thank you pages anyway from a user experience. So that, again, another whole conversation. Mm -hmm. From a person who has to set up the analytics, I always prefer a thank you page, but that may not be the best experience for the user. So if you don't have a thank you page, more than likely the... uh, best option for you is going to be using the event tracking. Um, Even after yes, after we said, events are used for other things, but in this case, you would set up an event to track the form and then you set up a goal based on the information you're passing through on the event. So again, depending on how your website is set up, If you have Google Tag Manager, this may be a lot easier for you to do yourself. If you don't have Tag Manager, you may require a developer to pass a little snippet of code that passes the event information. And when I'm saying event information, there are three things that have to be passed. It's the category, the action, and the label. Those are the three fields of an event that have to be passed to Google Analytics for you to track an event. Um, So what I recommend when you're using events for forms, all of your forms should have the same quote unquote category. That's like the highest level in the hierarchy of events. It should all just be form or form submission or form something that says form in it. So you know that this category has to do with forms. And then the action is submit or complete or something like that. And then the label, which is, you know, the the lowest level of the hierarchy is the actual form. So it's email or contact or wedding or whatever the case might be. And then if you want to get super fancy, you might have sort of multiple locations for your newsletter because you might have an email pop-up and you might have another location in the footer of your website and you might have an actual dedicated newsletter page. And in that case, I recommend the for, the event label being email-popup, email-footer, email-page, whatever the case might be. Then you go into your goals, assuming you've got your events set up correctly, you would set up your goal with the event and your event label begins with email or begins with contact or begins with wedding, And now you have a goal for your form submission based on an event.
1: And that's also where you want to make sure you're working with your dev team when you're building out a site or updates and whatnot, because a lot of the stuff where you're either you know showing a thank you message or redirecting the user to a thank you page is all pretty simple, but you want to think about this stuff in advance so it doesn't, doesn't come at a shock to you or the developer or anybody else as you're you know, balancing that balance of user experience and analytics tracking.
3: Exactly. And the downside to this um, is that you literally cannot create a funnel. I don't know why Google Analytics is set up like this because this really ticks me off. You should be able to create a funnel based on labels. You should be able to do that, but it does not, this functionality literally does not exist within this goal type. So all you get to do is you get a submission. That's it. No fancy funnel here. Boo. Boo.
1: And when you, when you think about it, it, the reason that there's not always thank you pages is you new, know, Melissa, you mentioned a first visit pop-up for an email. If someone goes to your website, they entered their email address. They want to get deals on a pop-up and you direct them to a thank you page. Is that thank you page the next best step in the conversion funnel or exactly. is it simply that form going away? And that's that balancing act that you have to work with your dev team and your marketing team to make sure you get right.
3: Good point, exactly, Pete. So those are the three things.
0: Those are the three most important. I like it. So Melissa, you you talked a a lot about um, destination-based goals today. So what what are the other types of goals that folks can set up? And could you give examples
1: of those? No. Like beach destinations or mountain destinations, things like
0: that. Do you want me to raise that question?
3: Yeah, that's fine. So well, we talked about two types. One was destination. The other type is event. Mm -hmm. There's also things like timing goals.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's our our official position, isn't it?
3: Eh. I, I think from a hotelier standpoint, this is probably, you know, where are you going <laughs> <Just> <laughs> keep to keep these two? Because again, more does not mean better. Just saying. Yeah. I don't know what a time goal is going to tell you. Is your goal to keep somebody on your website for an hour? Because I I, I don't think that's a good goal. I don't know. Just saying. So, you know, it wouldn't be a complete Melissa episode without a list of caveats. Go for it. I only have two.
0: Okay, caveat one. Number one.
3: In all of these goal scenarios, you may find that your numbers are not exactly accurate. As with anything in analytics, it's never exactly accurate, but more so with goals. You may, especially if you're looking at your booking goals, you may find that those numbers, so your um, your goal number and your transaction number may not be exactly the same. And there's a very good reason why you may find a, hopefully it's only a small discrepancy between the two. And that is that in Google Analytics, a goal will only count once per session. I'm going to repeat that a goal conversion in Google Analytics counts only (laughs) once per session. So if you have a person going through your website and they book two rooms, it's only going to count one. It counts as one conversion in the same session. So you're going to find these little differences. And even with a form submission, you know, people, whatever, for whatever reason they may submit an email sign up more than once. Because, because, because people, human so error, it happens.
1: So if I go to a site, I get a first visit pop-up. I'm like, yeah, man, send me some information. I hit submit, <laughs> and then I book.
2: <laughs> <laughs> laughing yeah, man. Yeah, man. Give me that information. <laughs>
1: That's what they're going to say. So my, my point is, Melissa will... Those can you have multiple goals set up one for form submissions and one for conversions or bookings? How does that do they in fact impact each other in any way?
3: They do not. Multiple you can uh, convert on multiple goals per session and everything will record accordingly. It's just that the same goal will only count once per session.
0: And how long does the session last?
3: By default, it is up to there are 30 minutes of inactivity. That doesn't mean it times out after 30 minutes. It means that if there's 30 minutes of an activity and then like, you click again, you're now another session.
2: So if I went and didn't want to make my booking yet, and then I went and had a conversation with the wife, and then we talked it out for 30 minutes, and I came back, it's a brand new session? Yes. That happens.
3: It happens a lot. (laughs) That is why, uh, this is a topic for another day, but that is why you will often see an entry page, a high number of entry pages, like in the middle of your booking engine. Because probably they were in the middle of researching something, they had to go talk it over with somebody, or, heaven forbid, oh, maybe they went to Expedia, or they went to TripAdvisor, they did some more research, and then came back. And they continue the booking process. So you will see a lot of times the entry page to your website as like right smack in the middle of the booking engine. And I cannot tell you how many times I get asked, how could that be? People didn't just type that in. That is why.
0: Yeah. And if you remember back to the study we did back in 2019, 87% of people want to read reviews before they make that final decision to book. So if you don't have reviews on your website, you better believe that 87% of people are going to be leaving your site at some point in the funnel and coming back. And once they're in TripAdvisor or Expedia or somewhere else where there's reviews, it, you may have lost them for good. They may have lost them for thirty minutes or so. So you you want to try to keep them in your funnel and not let them leave. Yes. Because for All everyone right. that came back and entered there, there's probably a bunch that never came back.
3: Exactly. So that's caveat number one. Okay. Caveat number two is if you are listening to this in like 2023, probably this is completely irrelevant. We could have
0: been nice and told them that at the beginning of the episode because they just got like 46 minutes through or whatever it is. And then they're like, man, it's 2023.
3: But also if it's 2023, you know what? At the rate things move and the rate booking engines move, it could still be relevant. Because if your booking engine hasn't updated their stuff to record from Google Analytics 4, this is 100% still relevant.
2: <laughs> so that's a caveat to your caveat right there. <laughs> See, I was going to say, story. why don't you just splice this into the beginning? If you're listening to this in 2023, <laughs> please stop now.
1: Just splice this into the future.
2: Yeah. Retro optimization.
0: Retro future neo optimization. That's what we're going to do.
2: Rufus. <laughs> <laughs> oh. That's that,
3: it. Are you done? That's it. Three things and two caveats.
0: I like it. It's like the sequel to Four Weddings and a Funeral.
3: <laughs> Three things and two caveats.
0: We're going to get Annie McDowell to reprise that role. <sighs> Pete, Pete will play the part of Hugh Grant. It'll be great. (laughs) He has a brilliant English accent.
1: Clearly, I do.
3: Yeah. What did we learn today?
0: We learned about goals. We learned about goals. We learned that Melissa was right and I was wrong.
2: I have a feeling that you confused a lot of people, and you're going to get a lot of emails say, Melissa, can you set this up for me?
3: We, we can do
2: that. Yeah. So, I mean... Well, maybe and,
1: what they should do is they should connect with us on Clubhouse and we can have a discussion about it.
0: Yeah, you can search for any of us on Clubhouse by name. We'll, we'll give you our... And we'll put it in the show notes too, but we'll, we'll give our contact info at, at the end of the show. But also, in all seriousness, if you do have trouble with your analytics, if you're scratching your head about what some anomaly or you just want your booking engine to track properly, uh, Melissa and her team... Uh, uh, second to none in the industry at doing this stuff. We've, we've been working with analytics for a very long time, all the way back in the the web trends and the urchin days, right, Melissa? As you back pointed out recently. days. Yeah. Where, but...
1: all we could do is track page views. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, let me share something exciting with you. You oh. know when you encode a link, you use UTM equals whatever? That's urchin tracking. Yes, that is correct. Still- we're still
3: using Urchin today, technically. Technically, that is true. Because amazing. Google bought Urchin a thousand years ago.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was basically the first iteration of Google Analytics was essentially right. Urchin. Right. Wow. You, if you learn nothing else from this episode, at least you learned a little analytics history. It's amazing. Well, if you, if you want to learn more about analytics or you need help, info at fueltravel.com would be the place to do that. If you want to um, pick Melissa's brain, you can do it on Clubhouse, where you can find her at Melissa Cavanaugh. Um, you can also hit her up on LinkedIn, right, Melissa?
3: Yes, at Melissa Cavanaugh. And, uh, and spelled K-A-V-A-N-A-G-H.
0: And you can also hit us up collectively on Twitter or anywhere at Fuel Travel. Uh, P, if they want to find you online, where can they do that?
1: Either Clubhouse or LinkedIn at Pete DeMeo,
2: P-E-T-E-D-I-M-A-I-O. And Phil? Uh, You can find me on Clubhouse and LinkedIn, uh, Phil Fariska, uh, F-O-R-I-S-K-A. And if you want Melissa's article, I did post that on LinkedIn today. So go ahead and find me on there and click on the link. Go check it out. Yeah, you can find me anywhere at Stuart Butler. You can find us collectively at Fuel
0: Travel. Uh, we've mentioned Clubhouse a few times, and if you're not sure what that is, stay tuned for next week's episode. We're, we're going to be talking about that in a little more detail on what it means for the industry. But also, if you are on Clubhouse, we're doing at noon Eastern time, Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, we're doing a um, marketing, uh, what do you call them, room with Lauren Gray from hospitality digital marketing and it's under the hospitality and more club so if you're on clubhouse go to uh follow the hospitality and more uh club and then you can find that room at noon eastern uh monday through thursday what'd you say pete
1: oh nothing you were cutting out on me by saying just follow the room
0: follow the room there you go and we're gonna do a breakdown of clubhouse next week and if uh you don't know what it is, and then a week from now you should. So there you go. Any other housekeeping, ladies and gents?
3: I don't think so.
2: Cool.
0: Well, you managed to get through this this uh, this episode without getting too ragey, which was good, Melissa. In less than an hour. And it was it was a relatively short episode, so you were correct in that. So again, get the notes to this episode and follow along with uh, Melissa's awesome notes and step-by-step guides at fueltravel.com slash podcast and click on episode 178. And until next time, you have been listening to the Fuel Hotel Marketing
3: Podcast. Uh, You're looking at three things. When was the last time we only had to talk about three things? This should be a short episode, <laughs> <element>. <laughs>